Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Where you tell me you're gonna help me get my sister back? I've seen the bodies. They're terrorists, they're killers. Ain't that what you do? We need you. Who's your sister? Fantastic. You reckon you can get us in there? Easy. I gotta make this right. So I'm gonna go into that bunker and we're gonna kill every last one of those sons of bitches. Fucking A. Oh, what the fuck is this shit? One hell of a lovely skull. Good work, Reese. You dumb son of a bitch. Come on, mate. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Pekovich, and this is episode number 405. Releasing February 10 in Australian cinemas is Wormwood Apocalypse, the long-awaited sequel to the 2014 cult horror classic Wormwood, in which a tale of violence and betrayal plays out amongst a zombie-infected Australian outback. An energetic and entertaining blend of splatterhouse horror and kinetic action mayhem, Wormwood Apocalypse also marks the return of director Kia Roach-Turner behind the camera. I'm glad to say that Kia joins me now on the podcast. Kia, thank you so very much for joining me today. It's great to be here, Matt. And I really like that expression, splatterhouse. I don't know if I've heard that before. That'd be a really good name for a production company. It would. It's something I've I've come across. I, I review a lot of um, horror stuff. So splatterhouse is something I come across in some of the horror lingo out there amongst like uh, certain filmmakers. I think more more Americans use it than Australians do. Um, I wanted to talk about this sequel to Wormwood. We're looking at, what, seven years from when um, the first Wormwood movie came out. 
Um, you know, it's really interesting. In between that time, between Wormwood and Wormwood Apocalypse, you were developing a, a TV series called uh, yes. Wormwood Chronicles of the Dead. Um, you did the teaser. Unfortunately, it didn't get picked up. But I was just curious whether the ideas from that series, um, the ideas that you had, I, I, from what I read and, and did the research, you, had, you kind of had like a pitch Bible, kind of like this world-building kind of document that you had for the yeah. series. Did the ideas from that TV series, are they some of the things that we're seeing? People are going to see a hundred percent, yeah. So, the so about half of the arc of the first series that was planned for the TV series has kind of been used in Wormwood Apocalypse. So, I mean, and it's not that it didn't get picked up, we did get offers, they just weren't budget offers that worked for a TV series, right? So, like, my, my thing, me and my brother was just like, we would love to make a TV series, but if we're going to make an Australian Wormwood TV series, like it has to be as good as, it has to be like the Australian Breaking Bad of zombie TV shows. Mm -hmm. And like the budgets that we were looking at were like, oh, I don't know if we can kind of pull that off um, properly. And so instead of doing that, like we, we, we knew 100% that we could do a low budget feature film because we've done that before and we know how to do that whereas I don't really know how to do like a low budget tv show right. and I didn't want it to turn, turn into some kind of online thing where it just turned into like a web series it's like it has to be a proper tv show or nothing right. and so we went with making a low budget sequel instead and just kind of blended up all the crazy ideas that we had for the the first series and just sort of slammed them into a 96 minute movie instead and it's such an interesting film in so many ways there's you know You've so many zombie films are released every year. Um, and it's also great when you could come across one that has kind of like innovative kind of ideas in them. And in you know, Apocalypse definitely has that in regards to zombies being used as, as somewhat of a like a like a natural resource. Because in the whole <laughs> thing about post-apocalyptic worlds is you have to use what's around you, right? And in the characters in, in your film use zombies essentially or the vapor that they emit as fuel. Um, where did that idea come from? Because I just thought it was just fantastic. I'm surprised no one else has thought of it until now. Well, it, I mean, and that's the, the, one of the things that we love about, like, those old classic, you know, films like Dawn of the Dead and stuff is that the idea that, that first of all, zombie universes are fun because you're trapped with these flesh-eating creatures that kind of are a bit stupid and can't move very quickly. So it's in, it's immediately like a sort of um, really high-stakes, um, you know, um, game. Like it's, like it's like a video game straight away and you have to look around and use the things that you've got. You have to use your shovel and make sure that you armour up your car and you've got to use the drill that you've got in the, in the shed and the axes and have you got a shotgun, all that kind of stuff. Um, but we just love the idea that you could also use the creatures and the idea, the germ of the idea came from two kind of areas. I remember we watched Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and they talked about using the pig manure as mm. a kind of fuel. And so we're like, oh, that's a cool idea. And then my brother was watching a documentary called, I think, Food Inc. And yeah. that talked about the methane coming out of cows. And he kind of went, methane, pig manure, fuel. What if the zombies breathed, uh, you know, sort of methane-like substance out of their mouth? And that's what you had to run your vehicles on in this Wormwood world. And as soon as he said that, I just knew we had you know and um also just the idea of sort of aesthetically blending mad max with dawn of the dead hadn't really been done before but it was one of those ideas where you're like why hasn't anybody done that before like why wouldn't you armor up in leather armor and put these crazy mad max like helmets on especially if the creatures around you were gonna 
bite you and turn you into a zombie, of course yeah. you'd armour up. And as soon as you armour up and you have, like, vehicles that run on zombie breath that have kind of, um, you know, spikes on them and, like, you know, armour on the windows, that's just Mad Max. So, yeah, we sort of knew that we had a franchise that, that could be cool. Going back to the term splatterfest that I used previously, um, I don't think I've seen as much blood in a movie, or at least not in for a little while, as I had seen in Wormwood Apocalypse. I'm curious, how many liters of blood did you guys go through in the making of this film? Or fake blood, I should uh, say. We're not dealing. We're not yeah. dealing with the real stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not lunatics, and we're not that kind of lunatic. Um, no, uh, how much? I think it was over a thousand liters wow. this time. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if that's a record. I wonder if there's such thing as a fake blood record in a movie. Oh, I'm sure there is, and I'm sure Peter Jackson has it. I mean, oh, it's right. it's really funny because, like, when somebody says that, I always think, is it? Has it got a lot of blood? Because, like, I'm, I think I, lo- I watch a lot of horror films, and, like, I grew up watching, you know, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. And, like, if you go back and watch Peter Jackson's Brain Dead, like, he he uses a lawnmower to kill, like, 100 zombies, and there's, just, like, he fills. And, like, yeah, then you got Kubrick who filled an entire hotel lobby yes. yeah. with, like, you know, 50,000 litres of blood. So, to me, I'm just like, I don't know if it is that bloody, but I guess I'm just, like, I think I'm just, I've seen so many horror films that, to me, it's almost tame, you know. But, yeah, it's good It's good to hear that um, we can still make a, 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 a splashy impact with the with the red stuff, Matt. So I take that as a compliment. Thank you. It's a splashy impact. I like that, actually. That's another name for a production company. <laughs> Wormwood Splashy Impact. That's going to be Wormwood 3's title. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed T-shirts and pop culture gear from your favourite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro T-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. I'm curious in regards to when it comes to some of your characters. So in this case, you have a really menacing character called the Surgeon in the movie, played by yeah. Nicholas Boschier, and he's just so good in the film. He's got this smile and the look and just other elements to him that I don't want to give away right now. There's also a context of just kind of like tapping the edge, like blurring the line about just going just a little over the top. You just kind of pull yourself back just at that moment where it could have gone into more kind of cartoonish realm, but you just get, you just get the balance just right. How do you know when making a movie, when making this movie to, to make sure that you want to make that splashy impact, you want to have these kind of elements of these really kind of menacing villains by really kind of pushing the edge of how they're portrayed on screen without going too far over the edge and going into kind of cartoon territory? Well, you never really know. Um, it's it's all just kind of instinct. Um, and some people like that really kind of crazy over-the-top stuff that, um, you know, um, Peter Jackson did that really beautifully in his early films and Sam Raimi, obviously. Um, mm. But my brother and I have a thing where, like, we don't like making comedies. We like making films with black humour and there's a difference, you know. Yeah. So, like, if, if somebody's going too far into farce, to me that's just not 
that's not my aesthetic, even though I do love that kind of film. So one of the things, you know, with um, with Nick was, you know, make it big because the guy's crazy. You know, you can make it, you know, operatic because, you know, this guy is like that. I mean, he's he's this insane sociopathic psychopathic guy who's basically on drugs and you know um you know has a, a, a sort of sadistic edge you can make him operatic but don't make it farcical you know keep it real and so yeah. he came in with a character that was kind of like hunter s thompson crossed with a reptile mm. you know um it was a very you know, interesting and sort of OTT performance, but was still grounded in the idea that this guy is a, a psychopath that exists in a really scary world. And it's a hard line to blur because as soon as you say, you know, that it's a movie where the zombies are fuel and zombie breath powers the vehicles, people are like, oh, that sounds kind of dumb. But then hopefully we play it with just as just enough silliness to be fun, but just enough reality to be grounded, you know. I mean, that's and that's kind of the area that we like to play in, you know. Having talked to other filmmakers who have dealt with practical effects and, and such, they always talk about how fun it is to to work with that kind of aspect of of, of genre filmmaking. There is, of course, you know there's a lot of kind of technical things that can go wrong with it as well. But just the fact that you can see the filmmaking magic happening right in front of your eyes, the cast and crew kind of get into it as well, et cetera. Um, do you, working with practical effects, does that really bring a sort of kind of good vibe on, on, a, on, a, on a set? Because I know that you said before, having worked on um, previously on Necrotonic, that yeah. you really wanted to reapproach the filmmaking as being like a fun, you know, taking it seriously, of course, but having fun while doing it. I'm sure working with practical stuff really helps in, in doing that. Well, I mean, I got into this to photograph things. Like I got into it to photograph actors and, you know, if I'm going to have smoke in, like, the frame, I want it to be real smoke. If there's going to be blood, there should be some real blood. Mm. You know, if there's if somebody's going to get knocked down, they should actually get knocked down. I, I'm not a fan of green screen and I'm not a fan of overly digital things. I, yeah. I think horror... It, it, a hundred percent took a real downturn once people started bringing out these digital monsters. You know, it works every now and again, like in you know films like The Host or you know, um, uh, but 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 usually, uh, uh, like to to me, you know. Film, uh, horror films haven't really recovered from this digital explosion. All the best horror films in my mind have practical effects. Like there is nothing better than the, the, the you know, films like The Thing or Alien mm. um, where the creature is real. You see it and you can see the saliva dripping from its real mouth and, um, you know, you can see the blood oozing around it and, you know, the, 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 the hand of the alien is grabbing Sigourney Weaver like it's actually happening. So to me, you know, digital is a wonderful tool because it can do all these things that you just can't do otherwise, like especially when, you, when it's coming to head explosions and muzzle flashes. But my, my philosophy of digital, and that was proven after Necrotronic where we went way too digital and it was just, I looked at that and I was just like, look I'm right and <laughs> like I won't do that again um, my, my theory is that you know it should really be 80% practical and 20% digital augmentation mm. you know um, you should have a real monster on set and then augment it later on um, with digital stuff so that at least the the human eye knows when something's real but it's some and, and, and it knows when something's digital like I swear to god it just does yeah. but if it's mostly real and a little bit digital the human eye 
gets very confused and so mm-hmm. it can still be scared because to me a digital creature is not scary a real creature is scary you know because the brain knows the difference so that's why on my sets I try to have everything 80% practical whether it's creature effects or special effects or I mean even building sets like so many of my filmmaking friends are just going you don't need to build sets anymore because look at the Mandalorian you know with the, the fake backgrounds and stuff and I'm sorry I watched the Mandalorian and even though it's a wonderful show I can I, I, I can just tell like it's it, it feels slick and it doesn't feel super real Mm. so to me i applaud that kind of technology and i'd love to use it but i would use it sparingly and if i can build a set i'll always build a set because i just like i I, photographically i like to put a lens in a real environment in front of a real person and do it for real you know if wormwood apocalypse does the same kind of uh, business and has the same reaction as your first wormwood film which i'm sure it will because i i love the film i think a lot of other people are going to as well What's the potential of having a, another, a, a third movie in, in a franchise come about? And also, you know, in a more, you know, a quicker way as opposed to the seven-year seven uh, wait in between the first and second films? Well, the wait happened for two reasons. One, because we got really caught up in Necrotronic. Necrotronic was supposed to be a film called Necromancer, which was actually a very different film. And we spent years just developing that full time. Like we just went really right into it and it took a long time to develop. And, um, you know, we really ran down the road of Wormwood Chronicle TV series, Um, you know, so we just wasted a lot of time. We're not going to make that mistake again. So if Wormwood Apocalypse does even vaguely good business and gets even vaguely good reviews, like we'll start writing and developing Wormwood 3 immediately with an eye towards getting it done, you know, um, hopefully next year. But if it doesn't do well, that's okay. Like if it doesn't do well, like I'm in such a good position, Matt, because like I really like the movie. Like we went out to prove that we could do it again and I got to the end of this process and we had final cut and, you know, our producer, Blake Northfield, was awesome. He just really, he let us do what we wanted creatively and he set us up to have like a great crew and a great experience making the film. I got to the end of it and I had such fun making it and I so enjoyed the final product you know I'm quite proud of it um even if people don't like it and we don't get to do Wormwood 3 at least I've kind of proved everything that I wanted to prove with you know with this film um the little seven minute uh tv series um uh proof of concept and Wormwood Apocalypse it's kind of like hey you know (laughs) I think I think it's all good work so I mean I'd love to do Wormwood 3 but you know if, if we don't then I'll I'll go off and make a romantic comedy (laughs) <laughs> yes, we'll call that one uh, Splatter, Splatterfest. <laughs> <laughs> Splatterhouse. <laughs> so for everyone listening, Wormwood Apocalypse releases February 10th in Australian cinemas. I recommend everyone check out this movie. It's such a fun movie. You know what it was that really, you know, we were speaking before off air about my initial reaction to the film that I put online. What I really yeah. liked about the film was the energy and the entertainment factor. And it just hit all the buttons that I'm, I'd look for in regards to horror action movie content. Um, you know, and it just, it does everything for me, uh, your film Wormwood Apocalypse. It really is a great film, a really great step up from what you guys did with Wormwood as well, which I thought was just great, innovative kind of independent filmmaking. And, and this movie really does like um, lifts, lifts up the, the franchise, I think. Um, so if a potential third one does come, I, I can't wait to see that. But until then, Apocalypse is a, is a great movie for everyone to watch. And I congratulate you and, and your brother in regards to the making of the film and best of luck with the release. And hopefully uh, we can talk again in the future. Well, Matt, thanks so much. Um, yeah, the review was fantastic. And to hear you say that about this film, you know, I mean, 
really this is something that we've been, you know, we've spent like over 10 years of our lives developing this world. So anytime somebody has a positive thing to say about it, it's such a good, it's such a good feeling. So, so thank you very much. Yeah.